Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be together this morning, uh, even through Zoom. Uh, I first just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to people who are serving in the medical field. I know we have some within our community who are out there uh, serving in those spaces. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to those of you who are loving your neighbors really well in this season, reaching out with kindness, with blessings, with prayer, with conversations to check in. And I want to say thank you to those of you who are volunteering in different spaces to serve and meet needs. I want to say thank you to those who are making masks to bless people. I just want to say thank you to this community for living into resurrection hope. I know that uh, we're all grieving in one way or another in this season. Feeling troubled in my soul this past week. My soul has ached this past week. It's been hard. And I know that there are others in our midst who are grieving as well. And I just want to say that's normal, that's natural, and you're in good company. As we've been reading through John, and and we encourage folks to read uh, in John 12 through 20 this past week, it just struck me. Uh, In John 12, 27 and 28, Jesus says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. And then later in John 13, 21, says, Now Jesus was deeply troubled in his spirit. And there's a beautiful song uh, by an artist by the name of Ross King called In Good Company. And he writes uh, just a beautiful song about this, being in good company with Jesus. Then as Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 14, 1, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and also in me. And later I am leaving you with a gift. My peace I give you, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And so we live in this tension of knowing that Jesus, our Savior, experienced troubling in his soul. And so he relates to us. He knows what it's like to be troubled, and yet he also invites us into that space of trust. Another story that just strikes me is in John 11. When Jesus' friend Lazarus has died, and Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. He knows what's coming. He knows resurrection is coming, and yet he stops and he weeps. Jesus wept. And I saw in the chat room a few people commenting that they're feeling weepy this morning. And it's okay. Jesus grieved the loss of his friend, and he took the time to do so. Even though resurrection was ahead, it's okay to grieve. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4. And that is the significance of this day. 
It is the deep significance of our faith. Jesus is risen. Sin, sickness, and death are defeated. This is our hope. And sometimes we have to hold to it defiantly. Sometimes we have to hold to it with perseverance. Sometimes we have to hold to it desperately because it's all we have left. And sometimes we hold to it with joy. And sometimes we hold to it with creativity, looking for ways to practice and enact our hope. I'm going to be teaching from John 20 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can check that out. I'm so thankful for Savannah and Angela for reading that earlier. So I'm not going to read it again, but if you want to have that open uh, and looking uh, in there um, as I go through this, I welcome you to do that. And that's that last piece that sometimes we have to practice hope creatively. This season has pushed us to practice hope creatively, and that creativity is at the heart of God. The Bible begins in creation, God creating the whole universe. And John draws on this in his gospel. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, when he breathes his last breath, he says, it is finished. To Telestai, for those of you Renew folks who've been around and heard JR's teaching from a few years ago, a deeply significant word that means our certificate has been stamped, our sin has been paid for in full. It is finished. And I'm struck by the contrast of that in John. To Telestai, it is finished. And then John chapter 20 begins early on the first day. On the first day, John's not just trying to give us a, a what day of the week it is so that we know when to celebrate Easter Sunday. The first day hearkens us back to the beginning, to the creation narrative. It is finished on the first day. Jesus' resurrection is the start of a new creation. Behold, he is making all things new. And that's why he's in a garden. And Mary mistakes him for the gardener because he is the one who is making all things new. In John's gospel, Jesus performs seven miracles leading up to his death. John calls these miracles signs because he wants to make sure everyone understands that it's not just about the miracle, but what and who the miracle points to. He turns water into wine because he's a God of joy and abundance. He raises Lazarus from the dead because he's a resurrection God. He feeds the multitudes with bread and fish because he is the bread of life and he is the provider. He heals the sick because he is our healer. And that raising Lazarus from the dead, that's sign number seven, seven signs in John before Jesus dies. Seven is the number of completion, the number of days in the creation account of Genesis. Seven days, seven signs, and now it is finished. But this is the new first day. Early in the morning on the first day. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God created everything through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. On the first day, while it was still dark, on the first day, while it was still dark, that phrase has been echoing in me for the last few weeks. While it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb while it was still dark. Brothers and sisters, in many ways, it may still feel dark right now. But while it is still dark, the tomb is also still empty. The darkness has not, cannot, will not overcome the light. Jesus the resurrected one, the inaugurator of new creation, the one making all things new. He is the light. He came as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in him will no longer remain in dark. Rather, we put our trust in the light and we become children of the light. It may be dark around us, but we are children of the light. When we trust in Jesus, we have the light of hope. God is a resurrection God, and we are an Easter people living with God with a resurrection hope. And I believe that this passage, I know this probably wasn't what John had in mind when he wrote this, but I believe this passage, this John 20, gives us a good glimpse of what it means to live with resurrection hope, even in the time of pandemic. To be witnesses to hope. We've been talking about empathy and prophecy and how Jesus calls us into that brave space. And after his resurrection, Jesus again shows empathy. So as witnesses of hope, we are to be empathetic people. Why are you weeping, Jesus says? Can we notice those who are weeping and be present to them and ask them to share their story? On a side note, Jesus seems to try to keep some social distance. Don't cling to me, Mary. Jesus had something else in mind. There's also this pivotal point as we are empathetic people. We are also people who need to call others by name. So we meet people with empathy and we call them by name. Jesus calls Mary by her name. And it is then that she recognizes him. He is the good shepherd who knows his sheep and his sheep know his voice. Calling her by name opens her eyes enough to see past the grief. She is known. She is cared about. She has an identity that is separate from her grief. Jesus knows her name. Can we be people who know our neighbors by name and call out their identity? Jesus says, don't cling to me, Mary, because I have to ascend to my father. It's, I still have more to do. See, in John, it's not just about Jesus' life. It's not just about his death. It's not just about his resurrection, but it's all of it. He has to ascend to the father so the Holy Spirit can be poured out on us. 
And this is important part. He says to Mary, go and tell my brothers that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. There's a shift in the identity of Jesus' disciples. First, they are servants. And at the Last Supper, he says, I no longer call you servants. Now I call you friends. And after his resurrection, he says, no longer just friends. You're my brothers and sisters. I'm going to my father and your father. He has opened up the family of God to us. We are adopted into his family through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So can we be people who speak that identity over folks? The next thing Jesus does is that he surprises people with his presence. And he speaks peace over them. The disciples are isolating, quarantining, out of fear. And suddenly Jesus appears in their midst and proclaims peace over them and the power of the Holy Spirit over them. And so, Renew, can we be people who surprise others with our presence? We may have to be creative with that in this season. That presence may be digital. It may be a phone call, a text, a note, or it may be standing on the sidewalk or driveway outside someone's house. I think one of the most significant things that happened in our stations of the cross through the street is that folks were able to get out And they saw the stations, and it was a great reflection. But more importantly, they were able to see people face to face. I've had a number of people say how encouraging it was just to see people. Can we surprise people with our presence? Shout out to Kim and Clyde who dropped off some delicious bagels and some toilet paper and surprised my family with their presence yesterday. Thank you for encouraging me and my family. And we proclaim peace over them, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. I know we're not supposed to breathe on people in this season, but we still have that Holy Spirit breath in us, and that also is the wind around us. We don't have to get close enough to breathe, but we can proclaim the power of the Holy Spirit and his peace in this season. And the next thing that Jesus does is he shows Thomas, his wounds. I think it's deeply significant that the risen Savior, the risen King, still bears the scars of his wounds. Jesus is our wounded healer. So, Renew, can you show people your wounds? It's okay to be vulnerable. In fact, your message becomes much more relatable when you're authentic. To be honest, it's been a really tough season. And I've been anxious about so many unknowns. And yet, I'm grateful I know the one who knows. And my relationship with Jesus, knowing he loves and cares for me, has been a source of strength, peace, and even joy in this season. We have an authentic and profound testimony in this season. Can we show people our wounds while we proclaim hope and peace? And we also see Mary and the disciples proclaiming Jesus and professing him. 
Mary runs away from her encounter. I have seen the Lord. And the disciples come away from that meeting with Jesus. We have seen the Lord. Brothers and sisters, how have you seen the Lord? Will you share that with folks? And even if you're struggling to see him in this season, remember another time in your life that you have seen him at work. You have seen the Lord. And we profess him as Thomas professed him, my Lord and my God. And lastly, in the season, it is vital that we practice joy. That we rejoice and we practice gratitude. And sometimes joy washes over us. This morning has brought joy to me the joy of resurrection, the joy of a risen Savior. And it says that the disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, joy washing over them. But sometimes we also have to choose joy. This is faithing. This is what Jesus tells Thomas, don't be unbelieving. Don't be faithless, but believe. Be faithful. Make the choice to trust in me, that your joy may be full. About a year and a half ago, I did a cartwheel during a teaching. I want you to remember that it was about the joy of heaven, the joy the angels have, the joy God has. Our God is a joyful God. And I'm pretty sure that at Jesus' resurrection, there was a whole lot of cartwheels and backflips as the heavens roared their victory over the powers of sin and death. Since I did that cartwheel a year and a half ago, there's been a number of times where I've done cartwheels just to remind myself to choose joy. Now, Jenny might say, I need to do more because honestly, I'm a pretty grumpy person most of the time. And I get grumpy really easily. So I probably need to do more cartwheels. But practicing joy is deeply significant. It is a discipline, a choice of celebration. And that's why we're here this morning. A pastor in New York said, celebration is a practice of defiance. It is spiritual warfare against hopelessness. It is a prophetic reminder of who God is and what God can do. Our God is a resurrection God, and we are an Easter people. Our God is a resurrection God, and we are an Easter people. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.